Heavenly Father, Lord, we uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you that that you do teach us, and that you've given each one of us your Holy Spirit indwelling and teaching, enlightening our hearts and our minds, Father. We thank you and we praise you for that, and Lord, for the encouragement, the strength, the stability that your Holy Spirit gives to us also, the intercession, the, uh, the, the, the boldness, all the things that you do for us by, by your indwelling Spirit within us. We thank you, Father, and we pray that by your Spirit you would teach us tonight in our Savior's name. Amen. All right, Romans in chapter 15. We got down through the first seven verses there a uh, week before last. And in uh, and those seven verses of chapter 15 are really kind of a conclusion of the, uh, the topic of chapter 14, which is to receive one another. Even if we're not all at the same place, we're not all at the same level of maturity or of knowledge, uh, we, we are to... Uh, have patience with one another, receive one another. Paul uh, closes out that portion of Scripture there with um, verse uh, verse 3. Let's back up get that. 15.3 For even Christ pleased not Himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now, what, what Paul is doing here is he is transitioning from the idea that he's been talking about, of us receiving one another, to the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ received us to the glory of God. And that leads us into uh, verse 8. You see that word now at the beginning of verse 8, and it's kind of a rough uh, start there, uh, uh, kind of a clean break, it, it, it would seem, from what comes before it. But it's really not. Uh, Paul is coming off of the idea of Christ receiving us when he says in verse 8, Now, I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made unto the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy as it is written. Well, let's stop there. So Paul, now this is a very important passage here in at the end of the book of Romans. Paul tells you, just like we saw that in Romans uh, chapter 11, when Paul talked about the fall of Israel, and all of those those things we saw that what he was doing there, uh, you remember, is he's giving you the doctrine behind the narrative of the book of Acts. You remember we, we talked about that. Luke gives the, the history uh, that, that, that kind of undergirded the doctrine, and Paul gives the doctrine behind the history so that you understand what's going on in the book of Acts by Romans chapter 11. 
Well, here, in Romans 15, verse 8, if, if Romans 11 uh, is the key to understanding the book of Acts, Romans 15, verse 8 is the key to understanding the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and Paul gives you those two keys, and let me give you a verse in Romans 11 rather than just leave it as the whole chapter because we can narrow it down. Uh, Romans 11, 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. That's it. Romans 11.11 is your key to the book of Acts. It shows the fall of Israel, uh, the, the message of God and the messengers of God going out to that nation, them rejecting it, uh, and they fall and the salvation of God going to the Gentiles. We talked about that. So, so Romans 11.11 is your key to the book of Acts. Romans 15.8 is your key to the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minute, notice, was a minister of the circumcision. The Lord Jesus Christ, Paul says, when He was on the earth, that's a past tense. Jesus Christ is not the minister of the circumcision today, but He was. Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision, that is, of the Jews, of Israel. Come back with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 15. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this to you like you've never heard it before, even though I know you've heard it a hundred times. It's good to uh, to be reminded of these things, and not just uh, when you you know when you go over. I, I've learned, or at least I'd like to think that most of the time I keep in mind when I listen to someone teach or preach, and it's something I've heard before. What I what I what I do then, and then I've got a pretty good you know grasp on. What I do then is I concentrate on the on the addresses, on the verses, because we have we get doctrine in our mind, and then come a situation where somebody says, "Well, you know, what do you believe about this or that?" And you say, "Well, you know, blah blah blah." Rattle off the doctrine. Well, where does it say that? Well, then you got you know, then you're in trouble because you don't know. Where where are the verses that actually that actually say it? I know I've seen them. Pastor was telling me about them. I was reading them. So so anyway, it's it's a, there's always you know always an opportunity to 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 profit, and there's always something that uh, that you're going to hear that you may not have heard before in the midst of all of the familiar stuff. And you know, Paul says to say the same things to you to me is not grievous, but for you it is safe. So it's it's good to. Uh, you know, not to just for me to think, well, I know all of this and kind of let it go in one ear and out the other. It's good to get, you know, get that pressed down, shaken together, you know, compacted and like that. So, Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 says, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, and behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast. Now, this is a, uh, a Gentile woman who, who uh, the Jews would call the, one of the uncircumcised. She's a, uh, she's a Gentile. We just read that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision. This person here comes out of the uncircumcision. She is not one of 
those people that Paul uh, classifies there in Romans 15.8. Of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. Now what's happened here is that this Gentile woman comes to Christ. Her daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. And and you go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you get some idea of what it is to be grievously vexed with a devil. These people are, you know, they throw these people on the ground and into the the fire and and, and that kind of thing. You know, when the Lord... uh, came down with Peter, James, and John out of the Mount of Transfiguration there. There was a, a, a kid with a devil that, they, that the rest of the disciples couldn't cast out. And, uh, and the Lord came and He cast him out and it says that he, he tore that child. He rent him. That means He split the kid open. Coming out. The thing did not want to come out. These these These... Disciples were casting out devils. This one was a was a tough case, and they came up and said, "Why couldn't we cast them out?" And the Lord said, "Well, this come not out but by prayer and fasting. This was a special kind of situation, but it physically rent him." The passage says. So, what I'm trying to get across to you is this woman doesn't have a hangnail here. Her daughter is in serious, uh, uh, grievously vexed with a devil. And so she comes to the Lord, and she says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered, he ignores the woman. He ignores the woman. He answered her not a word, like he ignored Pilate when he was getting ready to crucify him and just stood there uh, dumb. And Pilate said, you know, you're not going to answer me? Well, here this woman, she's, she's, she's looking for, for help. So he, he ignores her. He answers her not a word. And then what she does, and the, the, the language of the rest of the verse there, you have to think about a little bit. The disciples then come and say, send her away, for she crieth after us. What they're, do, what they're saying, she came, she came up to him, to the Lord, and said, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, Lord, Lord. And he's walking and he's ignoring her. So finally she, she stops and she goes to the disciples. And, and, and you know what? That's exactly what she should have done. That's what the other uh, Gentile uh, uh, centurion did. He didn't consider himself worthy to go directly up to the Lord. He had built the nation a synagogue and he was friendly toward Israel, but even then he came to the disciples and he said, can you go and, and, and intercede for me? But even then, so that's what she does. She goes and she says, I need, I need his help. Can you get him? Can you get him to do something for me? And what they're saying here when they say send her away, they're saying do what she wants. Give the woman what she wants. They're interceding for her. Send her away. So, but, verse 24, He answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I am not sent to this woman. I understand that 
she have, has a grievous problem, but you need to understand that I'm here to do the will of my Father. Not to just uh, go off, you know, doing this, that, or the other thing because it uh, because it seems expedient at the time. And you know, there's a good lesson in that for the for the church. So the the you know the church by and large spends an awful lot of time kind of uh, doing things that that uh, that feel good or or that or trying to get rid of something that makes them feel bad or whatever it is, rather than doing the will of God. So the Lord says, I'm here for a purpose. I am not sent to this uh, non-circumcised Gentile. And then came she and worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. So again, same thing. So she goes to him. He's not answering. She goes to them. They can't get him to do it. She goes back to him again. Now he answers her after he's taught the disciples what he's doing here. He answered and said, It is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. So so now this woman's gotten out of the frying pan and into the fire. It was better when he was ignoring her. Now he's calling her a dog. He says, It's not meat. It's not fit. It's not fitting. It's not right to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Now, this I say, that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers and that the Gentiles would glorify God for His mercy. But minister of the circumcision, uh, first, Israel's got to get saved first. The Gentiles will get blessed, but Israel's got to be first. So he says... It's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. I'm not going to take the kids. You don't take the kids' food off the table, out of their mouths, let them go hungry so that you can feed the dogs. That's just not right. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And what, what, what the woman is doing here is she is taking her place, her position, as a Gentile. She knows. She knows that this is not just some mystic uh, miracle worker walking around the streets of, of, of Judea here. She calls him the son of David. She knows. This Gentile woman knows who he is. This is Israel's Messiah. And more importantly, and to the point in the passage, she knows who she is. She's a Gentile. She knows. This woman knows the Bible. This woman knows the program of God. So she, uh, she says, Truth, Lord, you're absolutely right. It is not fitting for me to come in and take anything away from Israel. But the dogs eat from the, from the overflow, don't they? I'm not asking you to take it, uh, to not give it to them so you can give it to me. I'm asking you to let it spill over. Now, what is she asking? She's asking him to do it according to the prophetic program. I'm, I'm not asking you not to bless Israel. I'm saying, let me get some of that overflow blessing like the prophet said I would. Then Jesus answered. Then Jesus answered. 
and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now you know that the Lord Jesus Christ knew this woman before she ever walked up to him. But the fact of the matter, and he's making a point here, but it wouldn't make any difference if if he knew that she was going to do something else and walk away not getting blessed. He was going to, the Lord Jesus Christ, that's Paul's point, is that he was the minister of the circumcision. For the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. Come back to chapter 10, Matthew. Matthew chapter 10. Now, we'll, we will see there in Romans chapter 15 that that woman was doing exactly what... Uh, getting herself in line with what Jesus Christ came to do, according to the Apostle Paul. Because, yes, the Lord was the minister of the circumcision, but also that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. That's what he says in the passage. Matthew chapter 10. The uh, Now at the beginning, when he called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. It goes down, it names the twelve apostles there. Verse 5, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and in any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So the Lord says, I was not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And when He sends the twelve out, He he tells them, You are not sent. Just like Paul said, I was not sent to baptize. You got you know, when you're reading your Bible, you you, you want to pay attention and you want to get the people you're talking to to pay attention to the ministry of these people. Because people have that idea. Here's a woman who's hurting. Her daughter's hurting. The Lord is compassionate. He should minister to her. But there's a, there's a ministry that he is fulfilling, that these guys are fulfilling, that Paul fulfilled, that you and I fulfill, that's got to do with obeying God. Not just doing what we think uh, ought, to, ought to be done the way we think things ought to be done. There are uh, there are specific ministries. John the Baptist had a specific ministry, and it's it, uh, it. Not only is it interesting and profitable for you to study these individual uh, commissions and ministries of these people, but it'll help you when you talk to other people who don't understand the the differences. Show them the difference in the ministry. Why were they sent? There was a man sent from God whose name was John. These twelve Jesus sent. Jesus said, I am not sent, but under the law she... Paul said, I was not sent to baptize. All of those are in, in, incredibly uh, uh, instructional passages. So, the Lord here sends the twelve out, and He tells them specifically, don't go to the Gentiles, don't even go to the Samaritans, the half-breeds, if you will, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, that's the ministry, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, now come over to the book of Acts, chapter 3, and we'll just get one passage here. Because as you come into the book of Acts, people say, well, then at Pentecost, everything changed. No. Acts, chapter 3. 
the Lord did indeed commission his here. Get Acts three, but uh, on your way there, look at Luke chapter twenty-four, and look at there how they were sent again here. Luke chapter twenty-four. Jesus, at the end of Luke, opens up their understanding to understand the Scriptures. And um, verse 49, Luke 24:49, And behold, I send the promise of My Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And He led them out as, uh, as far as... Uh, I'm sorry, let me... Um... Oh, here, I, I missed it by a couple of verses. Verse 47, there it is. Could help, help if I could see. Luke uh, 24, 47. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in His name among all nations. Now, there you go. So now, Jesus sends them out to all nations, right? I'll read the rest of the verse. Beginning at Jerusalem. You say, well, they, they did begin at Jerusalem and then they were supposed to go out to the other nations. No, they were supposed to get uh, Israel saved. And then the, uh, the nation then could be the blessing uh, to all the earth like God promised according to the prophets when He told Abraham, I will make you uh, a blessing to all nations. And your seed will be a blessing to all nations. So, so Jesus sends them to the children, the seed, so that they can get saved and then go out to the rest of the world. Now we know, as we turn to Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 3, we know that that commission, that that ministry, that that program was interrupted. Galatians uh, chapter 2, Paul tells us about it. He says when he went up there, Peter and James and John and those who seemed to be pillars recognized the uh, grace of God that was given to him, and they extended to Paul the right hands of fellowship that they would go to the circumcision and that he would go to the heathen. So that command, go out into all nations, that program came to an end there. And, and the all-nations ministry that the twelve were, uh, were supposed to carry out, according to the kingdom program, that program got put on hold. And Paul was raised up, and the agreement was made by the Holy Ghost that those twelve then would stay in Israel, in Jerusalem contrary to what we just read in Luke 24 and Matthew uh, 28 and uh, Mark uh, 16 and, and, and all of those passages where the Lord tells them, go out into all nations, go teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and so forth. And uh, that was their commission, but that commission stopped. And they gave it to Paul. They recognized that God changed the program. They extended to Him the right hand of fellowship that He would go to the heathen and they would stay ministers of the circumcision. Acts chapter 3. Just uh, real quickly here. Verse so 24. We, we could read the whole thing here, but just get the last couple of verses few. Acts 3.24, Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that have followed after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days, ye are the children of the prophets. 
The Lord said, It's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. So what Paul is telling us in Romans 15, verse 8, that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision is not new. It's not new news. They knew that when he came. Peter says it right there. And I want you to see too, why is he? why did he come? Paul says, for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. And that's exactly what Peter tells these folks. So that the promise could be fulfilled that was given to Abraham. So that you're the children of the covenant. And that in you, in Abraham and in his seed, that's you, would all, not you all, but these guys that Peter's talking to, would all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. So unto you first, you know, Mark's... uh, account of that Seraphonician woman there, the Lord says, let the children first be filled. And that's a little different different take on that, but it's 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 another facet of the same uh, of the same thing. Okay. Back in Romans fifteen if you, if you would. So even after Pentecost, and that's why we went to Acts chapter three, the thing didn't change. The ministry of the twelve was still to the circumcision to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. Romans chapter 15 again. Verse 9. And that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy as it is written. For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. Now, can I say to you, before we go on and look at these verses that Paul is quoting, that we've already seen, particularly in chapters 9, 10, and 11 in in Romans, how that the Gentiles have been blessed, but not as it is written. Paul says Jesus Christ came to minister to the circumcision and that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy as it is written. Well, the Gentiles are glorifying God for His mercy today, aren't they? I know I am. I hope you are. But now we're not doing it as it was written, are we? We're not doing it according to the prophetic program. And that's Paul's point here when he comes off of receive one another as Christ has received you. Look, the Lord Jesus Christ went through uh, everything that He went through in terms of Calvary in order to, to, to be able to receive us. And Paul brings that out. The, the uh, uh, transgressions of them, that, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. That's talking about the cross. Now, he's talking about the dispensational uh, uh, upheaval that God created in order to keep his, his Word, not even to the Gentiles, but just regarding the Gentiles. The, the Lord Jesus Christ came so that Israel would be blessed, so that the Gentiles would be blessed. Well, Israel didn't go with the program. So, Well, that put us in an awful mess, didn't it? 
What about the Gentiles? Israel didn't go for it. We're sitting here with the Syrophoenician woman grievously vexed with devils waiting for the crumbs to come off the table. And there's no crumbs because there's no table. Their table's been made a trap and a snare. We saw that uh, back in, in, in the earlier chapters. So now what do we do? Well, I guess we're just all out of luck. No, Paul says, did their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. God, Paul's point here is he did it anyway. He blessed us anyway. And he's saying, look at the lengths that the Lord went to to, to receive you. He had, to, he had to, to, to stop the prophetic program. To stop His wrath and His judgment and His schedule of getting the, the kingdom and His authority and glory, universal glory going. He stopped all of that so that He could fulfill His Word. He'll, he'll move heaven and earth to keep His Word. So, Paul says, Jesus came so that all this stuff could happen. So that the Gentiles could glorify God for His mercy as it is written. For this cause. Now he's going to start quoting some passages here. And I'll tell you what, let's look at one, and I'm going to leave you for time's sake to look at the rest. But I want you to see the context. Let's grab the first one. It's in uh, 2 Samuel 22. And the verse says, For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles, and sing unto thy name. And it's Second Samuel twenty two fifty. Second uh, Samuel twenty two is where we go, but it's also the uh, the eighteenth Psalm. You know that uh, in Second Samuel you get the actual record of David. You get the original version of the song that you later get the copy of in in the Book of Psalms. Second uh, Samuel twenty two. And, I, and I, as much as I'd like to, I'm not going to, because for the impact sake, I'd, I'd really like for you and, 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 and would uh, encourage you to look at, look at those verses. You've got the center references in your, in your Bible. It shows you where everyone, he quotes three, four, five verses down through there, and it shows you where every one of them comes from. You go back and you look and read the context. Read ten verses before and ten verses after, and see what uh, those verses that Paul's pulling out. He's not just thinking, okay, where does it talk about the Gentiles? Where He's picking specific verses that have to do with the kingdom. That have to do with the kingdom. And, and, and Paul's point is that the Gentiles, we, <clears throat> were supposed to be blessed later through Israel's kingdom, through Israel's rise. Uh, 2 Samuel 22, we'll pick it up. Oh, verse... Ah, man, we could just grab it anywhere. Okay, uh, verse 40. For thou hast girded me with strength to battle... Them that rose up against me hast thou subdued under me. Thou hast also given me the necks of mine enemies, that I might destroy them that hate me. They looked, but there was none to save, even unto the Lord, but he answered them not. Then did I beat them as, the, as small as the dust of the earth. I did stamp them as the mire of the street, and did spread them abroad. Now this is the... Uh, the kingdom victory of Israel, finally after everything that they go through in the tribulation. Thou hast 
also hast delivered me from the strivings of my people. Now look, thou hast kept me to be head of the heathen. A people which I knew not shall serve me. Now that sounds like David's moving from himself to talking about Christ there. Stranger, he's talking about both. Strangers shall submit themselves unto me. So now he's talking about the Gentiles, the heathen. As soon as they hear, they shall be obedient unto me. Strangers shall fade away, and they shall be afraid out of their close places. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of the rock of my salvation. It is God that avengeth me, and that bringeth down the people under me, and that bringeth me forth from mine enemies. Thou also hast lifted me up on high above them that rose up against me. Thou hast delivered me from the violent man. Therefore I will give thanks, and this is the verse, unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and will sing praises unto thy name. He is the tower of salvation for his king, and showeth mercy to his anointed unto David and to his seed forevermore. Now that's the uh, the context that you find that uh, that that Gentile blessing in in all of these passages. It's all that that Paul quotes there. They're all about the uh, the 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 tribulation that Israel goes through at the hand of the heathen, his enemies, and their victory over them, and that how the Gentiles then God's enemies are going to be blessed after uh, Israel has, has risen. Now come, come back with me to Romans chapter 15. Let's go on down through the passage. And let's read those verses and just get them there as Paul quotes them and we won't look up the references. So uh, as it is written, verse 9... Romans 15.9 For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. And again he saith, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. And again, Praise the Lord all ye Gentiles and laud him all ye people. Now you notice there's a, there's a progression here in these verses that Paul is choosing. First, the Jew is going to praise God among the Gentiles. Then the Gentiles are going to rejoice with Israel, and then they're just all, uh, and again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. They're all just kind of doing it on their own, but together. Um, just one big, one big happy group there. And again, Isaiah saith, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. And that uh, really encapsulates everything that we've been talking about as far as these verses and their context. It's when Jesus Christ comes to reign. That's when, that's when the Gentiles were supposed to get saved. That's what Paul is saying here. And God, uh, quite literally, dispensationally, moved heaven and earth to see to it that, that you and I got blessed despite Israel. Now, he had planned that from before the foundation of the world. But the fact of the matter is, is that he was right on the timetable to see himself finally universally glorified, and he stopped it for your sake and for mine. So when Paul says again, receive one another, 
the way that Christ received you, this is all still, as thick as this is with dispensational truth, it's stuck here. This is not in chapter 11. This is in chapter 15, where he's been talking about how we ought to put ourselves out, bear one another's weaknesses, move heaven and earth for one another if, uh, if that's what it takes. So that's the, the larger context that you find yourself in here. And you don't want to lose sight of that for the, uh, for the dispensational uh, rush that's, that's in this passage. And, and there is one. This is some, this is some, uh, some heavy truth here. And, this, and these verses will, will help you. These are, these are some of your uh, primary verses when you're talking to people who don't understand, who are trying to you know, read the red and pray for the power and all of that. Uh, people who are interested in the red letters, Romans 15.8 is where you take them. So, in Him will the Gentiles trust. Now, verse 13, the God of hope. Now, now that I've said all of that, see, now this verse will make sense to you. Now that, now that Paul's brought you through all of that. Now, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, you know, if you don't understand what what the reason Paul brings all of this stuff up right here, that verse seems really kind of out of place. And the next one, too. But he's talking about Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision and the prophetic program for the Gentiles and all of that. And all of a sudden he says, Now, the God of hope fill you with all... As if he just kind of ran out of stuff to say and he's going to give a benediction. Uh, Paul's point here is, look what God did for you. Look at the extent that he went through to to maintain his own faithfulness and, and the word wasn't even to you. It was just about you. The promises were made to the fathers. The word wasn't to the Gentiles, and yet God did what he did in order to maintain his own faithfulness above and beyond. He could have went on with the prophetic program and would have been perfectly righteous. But he went above it. So Paul says, knowing that, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Now what's that going to do for you in your life? When you're wondering in a, in a circumstance, the circumstance like we were in, this is not how it was supposed to go. I'm waiting for the blessing. I'm waiting for the blessing. And he was supposed to do that. And he was supposed to do that. Israel, they were supposed to accept. I'm waiting for the crumbs here. And they messed it up. Now I'm, I'm out in the cold. Now what? Well, God comes through anyway. So the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. Never lose hope in God because He will do what He said He will do if He has to move heaven and earth to do it. And we need to know that. We need to know that every day, day by day in our lives. That you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And I, now let's, let's go on here, I've got two minutes, we started late. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. 
And what Paul is saying here is, he's saying, look guys, I know that I didn't need to write this letter to you. You don't need for me to tell you to receive one another because I know that you're full of goodness and knowledge and you can admonish one another to do that. But, now he's saying that, he's also saying, I want you to notice in the, in the, in the verse there, and, and think about that verse for yourself. Do, do people ask you for advice about things? Sometimes we feel ill-equipped to uh, help counsel. You see what Paul is saying in that verse? You are competent to counsel. He says you are able to admonish. That means you are competent to counsel. And you are that, not because of any intellect or wisdom within you, but because you're filled with goodness and all knowledge from the Word of God, the goodness of God, the Holy Spirit that dwells within you, and you've got the book, and we know how to counsel one another. Now, when you do counsel, take it from your your source of knowledge. Paul's not talking about how smart these Romans are. He's saying you know the Word, and you believe the Word, and and I've just prayed that God would fill you with, with believing. But you are, if you know the Word of God, and you, and you have the compassion within you, you're filled with goodness, and, and you have that knowledge, you are competent to counsel one another, able to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, even though you can do this among yourselves, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace of God, the grace that is given to me of God, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles ministering the gospel of God that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Now we'll quit here, but you want to notice verse 16 compared to verse 8. Because that's where Paul is getting. He starts you out there at verse 8 and he rounds, he comes around to verse 16. And he says in verse 8 that Jesus Christ is a minister of the circumcision. But the grace of God toward me is to be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And Jesus Christ is a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God. I am the minister of the Gentiles to minister the gospel of God. Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers. I am the minister of Jesus Christ, Paul says, to minister the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. And there is a one-to-one comparison and answer there between those two verses. And that's what Paul is doing here in, in a dispensational context. He's saying, Jesus Christ in the flesh, the way we don't know Him anymore, this is what He did. Here's what He gave me to do. He was a minister of the circumcision. I am His minister to the Gentiles. He came for the truth of God, that is the Old Testament uh, truth. I came for the Gospel. He came to confirm the promises made to the fathers. I came so that the offering up of the Gentiles can be acceptable. And it's all the working of God. God sent Christ. God sent Paul. Now that doesn't mean that Christ and Paul are equal in persons, but we're talking about ministry. The ministry of these two men. Ministers. Paul's a minister in verse 16. 
Christ is a minister in verse 8. So the ministry there is what, uh, is, is what Paul is bringing out. And if you're, if you're a uh, Gentile or anyone uh, living in this dispensation, it's not to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that you want to go for your doctrine, uh, for your example of, uh, uh, of teaching, or of practice. They're offering sacrifices back there. Paul says the offering up of the Gentiles is going to be uh, acceptable. That's that sacrificial language again. But what do we offer up? We don't offer up animal sacrifices. We offer up the sacrifices of our lips and and praise to God. And what did he tell us back in chapter 12? We offer ourselves living sacrifices, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Paul came so that our offering, our sacrifices to God, would be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Paul tells the Ephesians that through Christ, we all have access to the Father by one Spirit. The Holy Ghost sanctifies our sacrifice. Paul told us in chapter 8 that when we pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes and he prays according to the will of God. All of those things. You and I have access with confidence and boldness to come in before God because of what God did. And he used the Apostle Paul to do it for you and me. Okay, uh, I am done.